Correct. So the first week we talked about forgiveness of sin by the blood of Jesus. And the scripture for that was in Hebrews chapter 9. And what does the scripture say without the bloodshed? Verse 9, uh, Hebrews 9, 21 to 22. And in the same way, he sprinkled the blood. Man, you went way back. <laughs> uh, he sprinkled the blood on the tabernacle and the furniture. And then it says that in the Old Testament, Almost everything is purified by the blood, and without the blood shed, there is no forgiveness of sin. Amen? Okay, so that is forgiveness of sin by the blood of Jesus. Number two was entering the holy place. And that is from Hebrews chapter 10, 19 to 22. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence, that's the last one in this uh, column. Since we have confidence, can somebody help me? What is the rest of that verse? To enter into the holy places. How? By the blood of Jesus. Amen. So we enter into God's presence by the blood of Jesus. Number three, enter into a... What was the third one? Yes, we're just going in the order we preached them. Uh, yeah, this is a little bit confused, like trying to see if you still remember. Correct. Entering into the new covenant. That was the third topic we talked about. And the reference for that was in, I think, first one on the second column, Matthew 26, 28. For this is my blood of the new covenant that was shed for many. If you know it, just say it with me. I want you guys to memorize this. This is my blood of the new covenant that was shed for many. Why? For the remission of sin. Amen? So number four was, if you remember what we talked about, we have been purchased by the blood. And even you have the Greek word for it, man. That's like professional stuff. We have been purchased by the blood of Jesus. And the scripture reference to that is in Revelation 5, 9. That's the second one on the second column. It says, and they sang a new song to the Lamb and say, Worthy are you, Lamb, to do what? To take the scroll. If you know it, just say it with me. I want you to memorize this good scripture. Worthy are you, Lamb, to... Take the scroll and open it up. Why? Because you were slain and you have purchased us to God your Father. How? With your blood. Amen. So we have been bought. We have been purchased with a price. And that is the blood of Jesus. That's number four. Remember? Okay, number five. What did we talk about? We have been what? Before that, we talked about acquired by the blood of Jesus. One week, and everybody's running behind. That's not good. <laughs> well, it's good in a way, because that means three years down the road, I just can go back and preach all my old sermons. <laughs> all right, we have been acquired by the blood of Jesus. The reference for that is Acts twenty twenty eight. It's toward the bottom of the second column, and it says, Be... Pay careful attention to yourselves and to the flock of the church or the church of the flock of God, the church of God, which he acquired by the blood of his own. He acquired it by his own blood. So we have been acquired by the blood. You guys good to go? Following me? 
Alright, so we've been purchased, we've been acquired, and we have been redeemed by the blood. Correct. We have been redeemed by the blood, and that is from 1 Peter 18 to 19. 1 Peter 1. Yeah, there is no 1 Peter 18, you're right. 1 Peter 1, 18 to 19. What did Peter say? Knowing that you have not been redeemed from the ablest conduct with corruptible things. I'm sorry. With corruptible things like silver or gold from the ablest conduct that you have inherited from your forefathers. But you have redeemed with what? With the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. We have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen. And then number seven, we have been free. Look at you. Look at you, Nancy. All right. We have been freed, set free by the blood of Jesus. And that comes from Revelation chapter one and five and six. And from Jesus Christ, this is the, what it reads here, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the king of the earth, to him who loved us so much so that he did what? He freed us, set us free from our sins. How? By his blood. And what is the result of that? He has made us what? Kings and priests to God the Father. Amen. We have been freed, set free by the blood of Jesus. Amen? And then we have been reconciled by the blood. Amen? Because we were enemies to God. And the scripture to that is Colossians 1, 19-22. If you know it, say it with me. I want you to memorize it. For it pleased God. Amen. Praise God that all the fullness will dwell in him and through him to reconcile everything. Things that are on earth and things that are in heaven to himself in Christ. Having made peace. How? By the blood of his cross. And you, you and me, who were once alienated and enemies in our thoughts, in our evil conduct, we have been reconciled in his physical body through death. Amen? So that we can be presented before God above reproach, holy in his sight and without blemish. Amen? So we have been reconciled by the blood. And we have been... Before that, we mentioned something else. We have been brought near by the blood. And that is Ephesians 2... You got it. Therefore, remember that formerly who you are, Gentiles by birth. Okay, we're not going to read the whole 11 verses. But it says this in verse 13. He says, remember that, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off, what happened? Have been brought near, how? By the blood of Jesus. So we have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. And then the last two things we talked about was from the book of Romans, right? We said we have been justified by the blood. Amen. And that was from Romans chapter 5. And what does it say? 5, 9. Um, let me see. 5, 9, and 10. Much more than now having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved through him, through Jesus, from the 
wrath to come. Amen? So that is uh, uh, Romans 5.9. We have been justified by the blood. And last time was two weeks ago. We said that we have propitiation. Atonement by the blood. The wrath of God was paid and satisfied because of the blood of Jesus. And our scriptural reference to that was in, in Romans chapter 3. I think it's verse 25. And it says this. For God has publicly displayed. We don't have this one here, do we? No. Okay, this is last one. For God has publicly displayed Christ in front of the whole world as propitiation, as the mercy seat. Remember, that's what we talked about. As a mercy seat by His blood through faith. Amen? So through the blood of Jesus, the wrath of God over sin was satisfied once and for all. And now, God who is holy and righteous can forgive us our sins. Amen? So today is topic number 12. That's 12th blessing that we have in the blood of Jesus. And that is cleansed by the blood. Amen? We have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. 1 John 1, 7 to 9. This is what John said. Let's all read it together. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have Fellowship with one another and what? And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from how much? All sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, listen, good news. He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. So the blood of Jesus, that's verse uh, 7. The blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, does what? Cleanses us from all sin. Amen. So we're going to talk about that today. How the blood cleanses us from sin. And we're going to talk about three uh, topics or three points, so just you guys can follow me. Number one, we're going to talk about sin as a defilement or as filth, okay? We talked about sin being so many things before, right? Being a cruel master, being breaking the law. Today, we're going to look at a different aspect of sin. That sin is actually filth in God's eyes. It's defilement. God looks at it and thinks this is the nastiest, most disgusting thing in the world. Sin as a defilement. Number two, cleansing is by the blood. Amen? And number three, how we can apply the power of the blood on our lives. Amen? So let's all say these three points together. Number one, sin is a as a defilement. Amen. Number two, cleansing through the blood. And number three, applying the power of the blood. Number one, sin as filth or as defilement. Look at this. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word unclean was mentioned about more than 150 times in the Old Testament. Like God say, you are unclean. A person is unclean. Or something like the tabernacle become unclean. Or uh, something is unclean. Because of some sinful or ceremonial attitude, the word unclean was mentioned 150 times. More than 150 times. And the word for uncleanness or filthiness was mentioned more than 35 times in the Old Testament. So we have about 185, close to 200 Different references in the Old Testament where God calling a person or something become unclean or filthy because of what? Sin. 
or because they are ceremonially not clean before God, which is pretty much a picture of the New Testament and how sin defiles us before God. 200 times almost. That's serious stuff. We need to look into it, huh? All right. So sin is filth. Let's just look at a couple of these examples in the Old Testament where God called sin to be filth or uncleanness. The first example is in Numbers chapter 8. So what happened is this. When God struck Egypt uh, the very last night, he struck the firstborn in Egypt with wrath, right? With judgment. Remember that we talked about last week, right? And he said that you redeem the firstborn from the children of Israel. How? How can you escape that judgment? You bring a lamb. You shed the blood of the lamb. You post that blood on the doorpost and the door lentil and the two posts. And then when the angel of death will pass through, if he sees the blood, then he's going to pass over that house. Right? We talked about that. And God said after that to the children of Israel, remember... The firstborn from now on shall be mine. That's what God told the children of Israel. Because you should have been dead, right? I spared you because I'm a good God, but you should have been dead, right? So from now on, God told the children of Israel, the firstborn, if every house or even animal should be mine. But God then said, because of the inconvenience of this, we're going to substitute the very firstborn with the Levites, the tribe of Levi. That's why God took the children of Levi to be his own, his tribe, and said, he's going to minister to me, minister to the tabernacle, and just teach my law and be my uh, priests and ministers. Amen? And God said, the, the reason I'm choosing the Leviticus or the Levites is that they replace the firstborn of every child born in Israel. Amen? So these are any state of the firstborn. But then before God takes the Levites so he can minister to him, he said that in Numbers chapter 8, verse 6 and 7, told Moses, he said, take the Levites from among the people of Israel and do what? Cleanse them. God said, yes, I know you're going to minister to me, but you can't just come to me like that because there is sin in your midst. And God does not even talk about the particular sin here. He said, you just can't come to me just as you are. For me, because I'm too holy, I am too pure, I just see so much filth and uncleanness in you. For every sin that you have ever committed, every word that you have might say without meaning. So there's so much uncleanness in you. If you want to come and minister to me and serve me, one thing needs to happen to you first. You know what it is? You need to be cleansed. You need to be cleansed. That's why he told Moses, take the Levites from among the people of Israel and cleanse them. That's how you shall do to cleanse them. Sprinkle the water of purification upon them and let them go with a razor over all their body and wash their clothes and cleanse themselves. So God did some sort of ceremony so that the children of of Levi can be cleansed before they can even enter to minister to God. Why do they need to be cleansed? Because God God look at sin and he thinks that sin is nothing but filth and uncleanness. Amen? Amen. Number two, Joshua 22, 17. Look at what Joshua said. He said, have we not had enough of the sin of pure from which even yet we have not cleansed ourselves and for which there came a plague upon the congregation from the Lord? What is Joshua talking about here? 
is talking about an incident in Numbers, uh, book of Numbers chapter 25. What happened there is this. Um, the Moabite hired a guy by the name of Balaam, who was a false prophet, to curse the children of Israel. But God stopped that curse, and every time Balaam tried to say a curse, then God replaced that curse with a blessing. So Balaam, being a crafty prophet, because he could not verbally curse the children of Israel, he told the Moabites, told the king of Moab, have the daughters of Moab like sleep with the children of Israel, and then wrath from God will come against the children of Israel. And that's literally what they did. The Moabite girls, women, start enticing the men of Israel, and eventually the men of Israel start having sex with them, start, you know, sleeping with them, sinning against God, and eventually they even worshipped the Baal, the, the God of Moab. And that was a place called Peor. And God got so hot against the children of Israel that he struck 24,000 people dead in one day because they have sinned against him in that way. But if you look how Joshua considered that event, he called it uncleanness. He said the fact that we sinned against God, the fact that we broke his law, that made us so filthy before God, so unclean that we need to be washed off from all the sin that we have committed against God. Amen? Amen. Sin is filth in the eyes of a holy and a righteous God. Psalm 51 2. Look at David. So what did David do? He, he slept with a, a married woman and in order to cover up his sin, he goes and he commands that her husband is to be killed, Uriah the Hittite, and he get killed in the battle and David gets away with it for almost a year but then God calls him out through the prophet and guess how David is praying against that sin that he has committed. Look what Psalm 51 2, he said, wash me, what? Thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. David is praying to God. He say, God, now that I think about this sin, I feel so filthy. I feel like there is so much uncleanness on me. I can't approach you. I'm so guilty before of that. So please wash me thoroughly and cleanse me from that sin that I have committed. Amen? Sin is filth. Filth. I remember one day I was in Pennsylvania and um, we went to, I was still in college, and we went to um, a university in Pittsburgh to minister to people, uh, not like share the gospel with people, students and stuff. And this one guy in college, he comes to us and we're talking about gospel and, and he's just so like shocked. He can't even believe it that we can call or consider sex between a man and a woman or a boy or a girl who love each other. That is a sin. He's like, how can, you, how can you even dare to think this way? That a boy and a girl who happen to love and care for each other having sex and you call that sin? Yes, it is sin because you're doing it outside of marriage. Now, his perspective, that's pretty normal, right? But from God's perspective, God looks at that and then he looks at it and he says, this is so much filth. This is so much uncleanness. I cannot have this boy or this girl come close to me because they're so filthy because of their sin. Amen? Sin is defilement. It's uncleanness. Look at that Psalm 19:12. Here's what the psalmist said as well. He said, cleanse me. Clear me, he prays. 
clear me thou my from um, clear thou my from my hidden faults. He's saying that even my thoughts that I just think about and never even come back to it, these are just like uncleanness in me and I just want you to clear me out of it because it is so much filth even to think about sin. Amen? Amen. Sin is filth in the eyes of a holy and a righteous God. Let's look at the New Testament. And when we look at the New Testament, we see that there are three different Greek words that was used in the New Testament to describe the defilement, the filthiness of sin. The first word is koineo. I'm probably butchering it, but something like that. And it literally means to make common. That was mentioned, Jesus used that word in Matthew 15, 11, when he said, it is not what goes into the mouth that does what? defiles the person, that makes the person filthy or unclean, but it is what comes out of the mouth, it does what? Defiles the person. Notice what Jesus said, it defiles you. When you say a word that is sinful, when you curse, when, when you do anything that is actually sinful, what does that do bef- to you before God? It defiles you. It makes you filthy before God, because sin is nothing but filth. Now, that word literally means to make common. In other words, it means to take something very precious, very unique, and just pollute it and contaminate it and make it just like the rubbish and everything else that is very common. That's literally what the word means. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying that you and I, even though we were created for God's purposes, even though God loves us and cares about us, even though we are so precious in His sight, but when we sin against Him, this sin takes us who are precious in God's sight and make us like rubbish, like, like trash, like filth in the eyes of God. Make us very common thing before God. It's the exact same word that God, Jesus, actually told Peter in, in Acts 10, 15. He said, Remember when the uh, blanket came down with the unclean animals and Peter didn't want to eat from it? God told him this, Acts 10, 15. And the voice came to him again the second time and said, What God had made clean, do not call common. That's the exact same Greek word. Do not call unclean or common. Don't call that unclean or common, God, Jesus told Peter. So the point again here is this. You take something very precious and you pollute it and you contaminate it. You take everything that makes it unique and special away and becomes very common. And that's how sin does to you and me in the eyes of God. Amen? The second word is the word meanio. Uh, meanio, I think. It literally means to stain, to dye with another color like you're staining a glass. To pollute, to contaminate, to defile. And that's pretty much the Greek word that is used to translate the Old Testament um, word for defilement. Literally means to stain. That's every time the Old Testament used the word uncleanness, the Greeks translated that Septuagint, the Greek translation to the Old Testament translated as defilement or staining, like staining the glass. And an example for that in Titus 1.15, to the pure All things are pure, but to the defiled and the unbelieving, nothing is pure, but both their minds and their conscience are. This is what sin does. Sin stains your mind and your conscience before God. So your mind and your conscience before God is not clean anymore. It has that stains everywhere that sin does to you before God, right? Sin is filth. Sin is defilement before the eyes of a holy and a righteous God. 
The last word is the word moleno, something like that. It literally means to besmear, literally means to cover with filth and with mud. This is like the nastiest word of all of them. To literally be, means to piss me. And an example for that is in Revelation 3, 4. Yet you have still a few um, names in Sardis. People who have not soiled their garments. That's the exact word here. Soiled their garments. They're besmeared. They just covered their garments with filth. With garments. And they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. So Jesus calling sin here. When you sin against him. Jesus looks at that and say. This is for me. Like besmearing or you're like covering with filth and mud. And nothing that is clean. And you just cover yourself with that. This is how sin makes you and me look before a holy and a righteous God. Sin is what? Filth. Before a holy and a righteous God. But number two, let's talk about some good news. Amen. We are cleansed by the blood. When you have filth, when you have stains, all what you need is what? A cleaning agent. Amen. And that cleaning agent that cleanses sinners like you and me before the eyes of a holy and a righteous and pure God is one thing. Amen? And it is not your good deeds. It's not your sincerity. And it's not how hard you try to please God. There's only one thing that can cleanse you and me before the eyes of God. You know what it is? It is the blood of Jesus. That's why John said that the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all our sins. Let me just show you some examples in the Bible where the blood actually is the only thing that can cleanse these people from sin. Amen? Number one. First example, Leviticus 16.30. So Leviticus 16, we talked about that as well a couple of times in the last few weeks. That is the day of atonement, Yom Kippur. We talked about that. And if you guys remember, that's the day where the high priest, what does he do? He slaughters a lamb or slaughters a bull or a goat. There's so many things he kills that day. And then he takes the blood of that innocent animal and he uses it to enter into the very holy of holies one day, once a year. And he sprinkles the mercy seat and the ark of the covenant with the blood. And when he does that, the sins of the people is covered before the eyes of a holy and a righteous God for a whole year. Amen? Now look how God described that atonement process in in Leviticus 16.30. Look at this. For it is on this day that atonement shall be made for you to do what? To cleanse you. You shall be clean from all your sins before the Lord. So what God is saying here is this. When the blood is applied on the mercy seat, it provides atonement and a covering from the wrath of your sins. But not only that, it also cleanses you. And from that point forward, because of the blood, I can consider you clean in my eyes. Amen? It is the blood, even from the book of Leviticus, it is the blood that can cleanse sinners like you and me before the eyes of a holy and a righteous God. Amen? Look at this wonderful scripture from Zechariah 13.1. A prophecy about Christ. What did Zechariah say in the Old Testament? On that day, there shall be a fountain open for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. What does this fountain do? It cleanses them from sin and uncleanness. Question. When Zechariah said in that day, what day was Zechariah talking about? 
He was talking about that day when Jesus was hanged on the cross and he was speared by in his side and there was wounds in his body everywhere and there was blood gushing out of his body. Zachariah looked at that crucified Christ and at the blood coming out of his body from every wound, from every hole that he has in his body and he said that day, in that day there will be a fountain coming from the body of Jesus that will cleanse from every sin and from every inequity. Amen? And it, that's, I think, what inspired that old good hymn that talks about the power of the blood of Jesus. When that guy, I'm not sure his name, but he wrote that wonderful hymn and he said, There is a fountain, look at these words, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath the flood, lose all their guilty stains. Amen? The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there have I, though vile as he, washed all my sins away. Amen? Amen. Ever since by faith I saw the stream thy flowing wounds supply. Look at this. Redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. And when this poor lisping stammering tongue lies silent in the grave. Ready to praise Jesus. Then with a nobler, sweeter song, I will sing thy power to save. Amen. Amen. Praise God for the blood of Jesus. That fountain on that day when Jesus was crucified that cleanses from every sin and from every iniquity. Amen. But do you see that? It is the blood that cleanses from Leviticus, from Zechariah. It is the blood that cleanses from sin. Example number three, Titus 2.14. Look at what Paul said. He talks about Christ and he said, Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, breaking the law. We talked about that. Question. When he said Jesus gave himself for us, what is Paul talking about here? The cross, right? He's talking about that day when Jesus was crucified, right? He said he gave himself for us on the cross. What is the result of Jesus dying on the cross? Two things. Number one, he redeemed us from all lawlessness. That's every single breaking of the law of God that provokes the wrath of God. But number two, what happened? And to purify, to cleanse for himself a people, for his own position that are zealous for every good work. Amen? So what Paul was telling us there is this, is the exact same idea from the Old Testament. When Jesus died on the cross, when he shed his blood, that very blood that Jesus shed is the only reason for you and I to be cleansed and purified before a holy and a righteous God. Amen? It is the blood that cleanses you and me before God. Amen? Amen. Last example, 1 John 1, 7. That's the scripture we just read. It says this, that the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from what? From all sin. Now the word cleanses here, let's just look at it for a little bit. It's actually katharizo, comes from a different Greek word called katharos. Now the word katharos, the root word here is this, to be free from impure admixture, to be without blemish, to be spotless, 
To take every impurity away and be perfectly clean. That's literally what the word means. We have an idea of what that word means when Jesus spoke about that in John 13.10. Look at that scripture. Just to understand what John was trying to tell us here. Jesus said in John 13.10 when he was about to wash the disciples' feet. Peter didn't want his feet to be washed. So listen what Jesus told him. He said, he who has bathed need only to wash his feet, right? But he is completely clean. The word clean here is the same word that John so used, katharos. And you are clean, but not all of you. So what Jesus is telling Peter is this. Once you bathe, once I bathe you in my blood, you are completely clean, right? And from that point forward, you don't need to be bathed over and over and over again. Because that one bathing, that one cleansing is just good enough for all of you to be clean once and for all. Amen? But it is every single day when you walk with me, your feet might be get dirty. So you need to wash your feet daily. But you, need, you don't need to be bathing daily. Amen? So the word again here means to be completely pure, to be completely clean, free from every blemish and every spot and every uncleanness. Amen? And that is the exact word that John used when he said that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sins. That means you just need to be washed once and once, once and for all in that blood of Jesus. And from that day forward, you are considered clean before a holy and a righteous God. Amen? Amen. You might need to be still washed in the blood every single day, but it's not all of you. It's just your feet while you're walking with Jesus every day. Amen? So the cleansing means you are completely through me washed and made clean. Amen? And notice this. It says that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from 90% of our sins, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. It doesn't say 90%. It says it cleanses us from 100%. All our sins. Amen? It doesn't matter. Maybe you can find a girl who say, Oh, pastor, you don't know what I have done when I was young. I had an abortion. And the guilt of that shame of that abortion is just haunting me every single day. You know what the Bible says to that? That the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sins, including having an abortion. Amen? You might meet a man who say, Oh, you don't know how many... Uh, I, I cheated on my wife. I ruined my family. I ruined my kids. And I ruined everything. You know what the Bible says to that person? It says that the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. You might see a guy like in Southeast D.C. who would say I did drugs, I ruined so many lives, I murdered even somebody. You know what the Bible tells that person? The blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from how many sins? All sins. Friends, there is no sin that is too hard for the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse. Amen? Amen. I don't know about you guys. It's time to put your hands together and give Jesus the praise. Amen? Amen? There is no sin too hard for the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse. Amen? Number three, applying that power. How can you take advantage of the power of the blood of Jesus? Let's go back and look at our text. Look at verse 8. Look what it reads. It says, if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. You know, this is so difficult for a lot of people to say, I sinned against God. I mean, you go out and witness to people and those standard answer they tell you, I'm a good person. 
I might be, you know, here and there, but not that bad. I'm not that filthy. I mean, I'm glad you're telling me that sin is filth, but not me. It is somebody else who God can look at and say, you're a filthy person. But I go to church. I tithe. I give to the poor. I try to serve the community. I try to even preach on Sunday morning. People need to know that it, you are a sinner. When you break the law of God, you are a sinner before God. And unless you confess that you are a sinner before God, you're deceiving yourself. And the power of the blood of Jesus will do nothing for you. Amen? So we need to acknowledge that you're a sinner. But not only that, verse 9, if we confess our sins. So number one, you need to acknowledge that you sinned before God and that you need the power of the blood. Number two, if we confess our sins, it's only when we confess our sins then after we confess then he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness but you have to do what confess now it was interesting looking at that word yesterday the word confess in greek literally mean literally goes like this homo legao or homas legos it's two words together the word homo means the same from which, from which we get the word homosexual, the same sex. So homos means the same, and then ligao or ligos is word, you know. So the word confess literally means to say the same. That's the exact literal English translation for the Greek words. To say the same. What does that mean? It's like this. It's like when you are convicted in your heart, when your heart tells you that you are a sinner before God and that you absolutely truly need to repent and forsake your sins. It's when you have that deep conviction in your heart that is nothing but the blood of Jesus that can cleanse you before, before God. And when you have that deep conviction and with your mouth you utter the same, say the exact same conviction that you have in your heart. Then and only then you will be forgiven for your sins. Amen? Amen. So confessing your sins is not just, oh, okay, I'm a sinner. Okay, I take it. I'm a sinner. It's nothing like that. It's to say the exact same deep conviction that the Holy Spirit has been speaking in your heart. That you need to be cleansed before a holy and a righteous God. Amen? So you need to know that you are a sinner before God. Number two, you need to be convicted of it and willing to leave it and forsake it and start walking with God. And if you have that attitude, and only when you have that attitude, then the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, will cleanse you from all sins. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. So let's all close our eyes and pray. The good news is 